And now it's time for Leadership of the Leaf with Dice and Austin. Let's jump in with a cut and a light. All right, welcome everyone. This is another wonderful episode of Leadership of the Leaf. My name is Dice. My name is Austin. And hey. Dice, I gotta know what you're smoking before we get uh, into anything. Cause that thing, that cigar that you have uh, looks interesting. And I think I can tell the brand just based on the size. Well, sir. If you had said Asylum 13, you will be correct. I would have absolutely guessed Asylum 13 because that thing is monstrous. And that's what Asylum 13 is known for. That is correct. And this certain I'm smoking is part of the Friday the 13th edition. Mm. Only comes out on Friday the 13th. You can buy a five pack. It's a limited run. And I have found myself liking to them. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, I assume that you're pairing it with Hennessy. Which Hennessy are you pairing it with? Considering it's Friday the 13th, let's go Hennessy Black, sir. Ooh, Hennessy Black. All right, Black for 13th. All right, I, I, I get behind that. I'll do that. Um, Your band was bright. It's very bright. This is a new cigar uh, I picked up very recently. It is the CAO Spark Plug. It's a Robusto. It's a four, CAO 450, so it's four inches long by 50 ring gauge. It's box-pressed, and it had a closed foot. So it's very interesting. I haven't seen those in the, in the flathead-type series. Yeah, it looks very interesting. How is the closed foot? Uh, spicy. It okay. tastes all spice. <laughs> and I mean that as in it tastes like all spice. Oh, <laughs> I got you. Ah, ah. But, uh, you know, we're talking about pairings today. In case you didn't know, everyone, we're talking about pairings today. Pairings. Pairings. Uh, and I am going to pair this with a nice Jack Daniels Single Barrel Select Whiskey, which is very interesting because the spiciness of this cigar brought out the spiciness of the whiskey. Oh, that's perfect. Mmm. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about pairings, and then for our leadership topic, I think we should talk about how to motivate your employees, your team, and individuals. Okay, that's, that sounds like a great topic. I'm, I'm pretty good at that, I have been told. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, being one of the people you've motivated, I, I could say yes, All right. for the most part. I'll give you for the most part. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but let's jump in with pairings, man. So, so at most cigar snobs will tell you that if you don't pair a cigar with whiskey, you're doing it wrong. You're automatically wrong. Got it. I'm, I'm going to have to politely disagree. I, I do. I disagree 100%. <laughs> um, I've been pairing things other than... I, I've been on the show paired with uh, having having sticks paired with uh, mojitos. Yes. Um, which is not something you normally get because that's a very minty, refreshing type drink and most people are kind of probably like, why is he pairing it with mojito? I'll tell you why when we did get to that part, but uh, it's very interesting. But I, I would say the best spirits, most best spirits are typically cognac. Oh, I had no idea. Single malt whiskey, or whiskey in general, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Bourbon, rum, rye, and uh, ports. Right. Um, t- 
Tequila can also be paired with it as well. I've seen Arnold Schwarzenegger pair his cigars with tequila. Yeah, that received actually quite a bit of controversy, if I remember correctly. Some was like, you never do that. And then others like, uh, if he did it, why the fuck not? Yeah, I mean, the dude in, in our era, in, to me, in our current era, is is equivalent of uh, like a Winston Churchill. Like, the dude knows his cigars. We're correct, yes. So, um, but... What I, I would I would say people tend to stay away from white spirits like vodka or gin, um, and that's usually just because most cigars overpower that drink. Yeah, I just when I think of that, I just don't see someone pairing a cigar with like a martini. It just doesn't seem like a cigar pairing combination. Um, I would agree with you having having smoked many cigars and pair them with um, mojitos, which is a rum. I mean, it's a white rum, usually, uh, and it's mint. I, you know, I, I like it because it allows the flavors of that cigar to be brought forth more. Like, I notice those more because I'm getting, like, refreshed every time I take a drink. Well, I can, I can definitely understand um, seeing the refresh part because I notice if I pair a cigar with Hennessy White, which is a cognac, it's a lighter Hennessy, um, the flavor notes of the cigar are more uh, predominant. So I'm pretty sure we'll talk a little more in depth about that later, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but here's something that I know that you and me both like to pair our cigars with, and that's coffee. Yes. Now, I, I would say with your coffee, it depends on how you actually make it and the type of coffee, because some coffees are could have taste notes of like nutty, woody, and some could even be like uh, spicy, sweet. It depends on the coffee you actually drink. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. And I mean, coffees are, are like floral and bitter and mellow and or, or acidic or something like that. Um, yeah. Cigars are usually that nutty, woody, sweet and spicy. Um, but the, the problem is, is that uh, if you pair too strong of a cigar with like a, a nice mellow coffee, um, I drink Black Rifle coffee basically all day every day if i can um if i go with their silencer smooth coffee it's great for like a uh connecticut type but if i smoke that if i drink that with a maduro that maduro overwhelms that nice medium roast like smooth coffee it just kind of overpowers it so it's possibly to make it a, a more of a full uh full finish yeah depending on what coffee you're drinking yeah. Um, yeah. I, I move towards sweet cigars when I'm smoking. Uh, when I'm smoking coffee, I'm drinking coffee. But I can see your Connecticut. Yeah, I mean Connecticut's are usually mild, light, creamy. Um, you know, I, uh, I I do like the like the crazy Alice or the fat bottom Betty's while I'm drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, but there's something to be said for like um, an undercrown shade. Yeah, and and just getting a nice coffee or something with an undercrown shade, like to me, I'm like, oh, that's, that that hits hits both notes perfectly. Typically, when I'm I have an undercrown shade and I'm enjoying it, let's say a Sunday morning or whatever, watching the sun, I generally like to do my coffee as a pour over. For some yeah. reason, the pour over uh, changes the the bitterness of the coffee, and everything mm. just kind of pairs, I in my opinion, a little bit better. 
Yeah, uh, so I do. I usually do drip more than anything. Uh, but if I do like a, a French press coffee, ah. see, I get a lot more. It's, I like to do my French press with my dark coffees, like my dark roasted coffees, because um, it's not as it's not as I say rough on the beans or the grounds. So it it helps preserve some of those notes. And I usually like to pair that with like a full bodied or a medium to full bodied cigar. Yeah, I remember when we was at Monte Cristo, I got that uh, that French press and the flavor of the cigar I was smoking, it, it changed the contrast that I was getting on my palate. So yeah, I can definitely see the full body uh, coming yeah. out from a, a French press. Yeah, it, I, I enjoy it. Um, coffee is great as well. If you're not, if you're not an alcoholic beverage drinker, um, coffee is a great substitute, uh, another option. Um, but I, I, I've, I, I don't think I've ever done this, but I think I want to try it. I want to try doing wine. Okay. I can see, I know there's like other regions in the world that actually drink wine. I, I know we got a few people in France. I've seen pictures of them enjoying a cigar with wine. I'm, I'm not a big wine drinker. I never really was, but I mean, I'm not taking anything away from it. I just don't see me enjoying wine. Well, I know like a lot of wines, especially if you get like a dark or wine, like a red or uh, like a port or, or uh, I don't know, a Merlot or something like that. You can get a lot of that earthy, bitter notes and yeah. that could help pair well with like a nice Maduro, undercrowned, um, oh Lord, undercrowned Maduro or a Sun Grown or something like that. Um, or even uh, there's a Herrera Esteli that like tastes like a creme brulee. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, yeah. I could see a wine pairing well with a Rocky Patel LB1. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I will say there is a wine that I've tasted um, it's by 14 Hands, and it's a dark chocolate wine. I wanna <laughs> say, I'm pretty sure it's by 14 Hands, but it's a dark chocolate wine. And I swear it tastes like a, a, like a deep, dark chocolate cake. And if I had that with my with like a creme brulee or something like, oh lord, I'd be in heaven. <laughs> I want to try it now. I got to try it, but yeah, I got to yeah. find the I got to find the wine first. And there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So so wine is the thing. Um, we all know whiskey pairs very well with cigars. Yeah, um, it complements and enhances cigars with uh, flavor notes of. More of like a peaty and earthy uh, tasting notes. Yeah. Maybe even a little spiciness to it, but I can definitely see whiskey just popping perfectly with those types of cigars. Well, I mean, it has that history, you know. I mean, when I think of uh, when I think of, of a cigar, like a typical, uh, when I think of the epitome of a cigar smoker. Obviously, I think of Winston Churchill, and I'm pretty, I'm, I, you know, obviously I didn't know the guy, but. Uh, every time I've seen pictures of, of Winston Churchill, it's always with a cigar and a glass of whiskey, or even like Frank Sinatra. He used to smoke like cigarillos and cig cigarettes and stuff. He'd always have Jack Daniels. Oh yeah. So I mean, to me, that just kind of shows how far back we've gone with whiskey. Whiskey and cigars just pair so well together. Well, hopefully, someone will look back at this and be like, "Oh, I remember." Uh, he always smoked his cigars with cognac, so like a nice, some kind of cognac. He's always had that. So, hey, you know, I could, maybe, be, that. I could be the maybe. Churchill of next year. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
of the of the next era. Hey, if, if that's what it is, let's do it, man. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I am not a cognac drinker. Uh, never have been. I've I've tasted your Hennessy. You've given you've let me have some of your Hennessy uh, when I've been over at your house. Not saying that I don't like it. It's just I if I'm gonna drink the the Hennessy, I think I'd just rather have my my whiskey or my bourbon. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, it's not for everyone. Hennessy has like that that bite at the end that a lot of people don't really care too much for. But it's more complex to me than brandy. Uh, some people are brandy drinkers. However, cognac has that caramel, like just, just I, I can't really describe it because I've been drinking it for so long. I don't <laughs> think there's anything else better than it, in my opinion. Right. But will I drink something else? Yeah, I'll drink something else. Yeah, I mean, I've tried many different whiskeys on this show. Um, I've, t- I've paired, like I said, with rum. Um, I've paired with, uh, what else have I paired with? Uh... I think I've done some vodka. I think I did a vodka drink once. I, I know I did some unconventional pairing before, uh, like root beer, A&W root beer. Um, even, uh, what's that, Dr. Pepper vanilla? I think that yeah. paired really well with a nice uh, Oscuro. Something, uh, yeah. the complete darkness of it and the sweetness of that soda or Dr. Pepper. Just, oh. Soda. So... <laughs> That would be the contradictory method of pairing, right? So the contradictory, you're, you're thinking uh, you're going to select a cigar and a drink that contrast each other. And what that does, it brings out the notes in each other, in each one. So you got the sweetness of the, of the Dr. Pepper or the, the root beer or whatever. And you got the, the full bodied of an Oscuro, Maduro or something like that. And it gives you that earthy note. You kind of... You're not expecting it because your tongue's already got that sweetness on it, and then it, boom, it hits you with that dark, those dark notes. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, now I got it. Yeah, with those, it brings out uh, kind of an umami yeah. profile on on the palate, uh, and I can actually see that. I can definitely understand the contradict contradictory method. But majority of everyone that I know of is not looking for that. They're looking for the complementary method. Mm, yep. Yeah, that's what everyone, uh, when they think of pairings, that's what everyone thinks of is something that complements it. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past about uh, about uh, making sure that you select something that's going to, you know, balance each other out and stuff like that, which is, that's fine. That's a kind of the complementary. So if you're choosing for like a full-bodied and earthy cigar, you should look for a drink that's all also full-bodied, like, you know, a heavy red or a complex and earthy whiskey. Um Aberfeldy kind of comes to mind. It's got a very peaty, complex type finish. Um, this this Jack Daniel single barrel is really good. Uh, I I drink a lot of Glen Fittich, Glen yeah. Mer- Glen Merengue. Uh, those also pair very well with cigars. Well, I do want to throw a, a note of caution when you're complimenting your cigar, because I know sometimes if you get the the flavors to match too perfectly, it can cancel out. Yeah. And I have experienced that before. And I'm like, what? This isn't the flavor I normally get. And it's because the cigar and whatever I was pairing with at the time, it, it canceled each other out and it just did not really uh, work well. Of course, I finished the cigar and I enjoyed my beverage, but it's just it just wasn't a, a flavor profile that I was uh, expecting. Yeah. And, that, and that's I mean, that's definitely fair. Um, you know, it, it's all comes down to a matter of taste, of course. 
Um, like for instance, I'm sure you're in your first third by now. So what kind of flavor notes are you getting from that uh, asylum? From my asylum 13, it's a, it's a salty like chocolate. And uh, the flavor profile hasn't really changed much from when I was first started smoking these. And that's why I always paired it with a Hennessy Black. I know it sounds like because Black and Friday the 13th, yeah. But the, the Hennessy Black has more of a citrus. So the salt and the citrusy sweetness of it, it kind of gives me, I want to say like that sweet and sour that plays mm. back and forth. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, I, I talked about how I got all spice on the, on the front. That was definitely the closed foot aspect of it. Um, I'm right now. I'm getting like a sweet chocolate flavor mm. uh, with just a, like a few hints of pepper uh, and coffee. So, what does that Jack Daniels do to it? Um, honestly, it's it's pairing really well. Um, the Jack Daniels is definitely a little bit more spicy and and kind of peaty. Uh, but it's, it's kind of pairing good because it's bringing out the, the little bit of pepper on the end of this It's bringing out the pepper in my drink and my whiskey. Um, and then the smoothness is, is helping bring out more of that chocolate flavor for me. Yeah. So, and, and essentially it makes it, your palate pay more attention to that chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at, you know, in the end of the day though, um, pairings are just personal they're so personal to, to each individual person uh you know i mean everything is to me is is very personal you know if somebody likes a certain type of cigar then that's what they like you know I, i'm not gonna do dog on them for liking that type of cigar uh same thing with a drink if they like to pair it with a drink um then that's that's fine if that's what they want to pair it with then pair it with that okay so everyone's flavor profile is, is is whatever they want to look for so if you like a certain flavor profile, by all means try to stay in that wheelhouse but do open and explore to different ones because you could be missing out on something that could be slightly better you don't you don't know until you actually try so i want everyone to keep an open palate open mind yeah i mean take take the uh, ask for recommendations um you know there's you'll never know uh i I was on a business trip with a with a friend of mine and he was like hey have you ever had this type of whiskey and i was like i've never had that whiskey before he's like oh you got to try it um it was blanton's whiskey and it was really good and i like i just remember drinking i was in a bar that didn't allow smoking but i remember as i was drinking i was like this would pair really good with a nice like a uh, warfighter or um like an under underground uh sunshade or uh or sun grown excuse me um something like that yeah, I don't think I've heard of it, but um, by all means, I'm, I'm willing to open. I want to try Red Breast. I remember you was talking about it before. Oh, I love Red Breast. I just haven't picked up a bottle. Uh, I actually, I'm very stocked with Hennessy right now, so not really much room. New bottle. There's always room in my in my bar for Red Breast. You know, if I'm if I'm throwing sixty dollars down. Uh, Show the angels and they say, you know, you like Hennessy, my friend. Yeah, I mean, no, you're not wrong. Uh, next time I'm out that way, we'll uh, we'll find a, a bottle of Red Breast and you can get it by the glass or something. Yeah, I get. I, def I definitely will. Get it. 
It's oh, it's so good. Yeah, the shotgun, but, uh, the one on the podcast, right? He's drinking <laughs> what? What? He, he's not drinking Hennessy. Is this the same podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would probably say the same thing if I was to pull up a nice nice wine or something. Be like, people like, be like, what? What? He's not drinking whiskey or rum? <laughs> that they switched him out with a girl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm there teasing, was, ladies. Yeah. There was there was a cigar. I went to I went to a brick and mortar just recently, and uh, <laughs> the the gentleman was trying to sell me on a bunch of different cigars, which was fine. I, I always enjoy a good sales pitch, um, but he uh, he was saying he's like, oh, this one, uh, if you like rum, it pairs really well with rum. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, I do love my rum, <laughs> and he just kind of started laughing. He's like, he's like, really? That's what you're gonna go with? And I'm like. Is there anything wrong with that? I was like, I also like my whiskeys. <laughs> uh, good sales pitch. I was uh, salesman like, uh, yeah. What What would you recommend? I want to pair this with chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, maybe the sweetness of the chocolate milk will bring out the chocolatey <laughs> flavor in this cigar. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Um, it's really good though. It's starting to, it's definitely starting to mellow out from that first. I know you, you laughed at my face when I first lit this up right before we started the podcast. Um, and we light, we light up before we actually start talking. And that's only because we don't want to have you guys hear our clicks and tings of all of our lighters and, and, uh, cutters and stuff. Dead air of toasting. Yeah. You know, so that's the only reason we don't, we don't let you guys hear that on the podcast, but, uh, you were laughing at my face because I was like, "Man, this is all straight. It's just straight allspice right now." <laughs> and then after, as soon as I got through that that twisted foot, uh, closed foot, it has mellowed out so much. Yeah, I'm always leery of the closed foot because I know it's going to be a blast of something. Hopefully, it's not pepper, but it's always going to be a blast, and I know it's just going to be for that first part. Well, and that was the thing, like the, the, the gentleman who sold me this, he was like, have you tried this new cigar? And, and granted, uh, the flathead or the, I'm sorry, the CAO flathead spark plug is relatively new. Um, it's made in a Nicaragua um, by an Esteli. Um, and it's, it's got a uh, Nicaraguan Ligero filler and a Habano Connecticut binder uh, and a dark Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, um, and it's really, really good. But he told me he's like, "Oh, that dude, this is this is straight chocolate. It's like a chocolate uh, jalapeno, chocolate dipped jalapeno." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds delicious." Yeah. Um, and then I I got that first little bit, and I was like, "This is super spicy." Um, now it is definitely mellowed out. I can definitely taste. I, I taste the chocolate. I taste the spice. I got a little bit of coffee in the back end. It's very complex, very well built, as I expect from CAO. Yes. Yeah. Um, my asylum, I always like the Friday the 13th ones. I look for them every year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, I've never tried. I'm steer clear of Asylum 13s. Um, it has nothing to do with the brand. Uh, well, it does, but it doesn't. But it's, it's purely the size of the cigars that steers me clear of them I, I can definitely understand that this is what I normally like to smoke 
but the limited edition of it or who knows they may have a warehouse full and just put them out every friday 13th i don't know i just know <laughs> I, I got you bitch yeah I, I enjoy them every year so yeah they got me i'll be that sucker oh, that's fine um but it's it's really good so um i let's see uh you're not in your second third by any means i'm sure you want to do the second third after the break or you want to try to hit it before no, let's just do it. We'll do it after the break. We'll take a quick break. We'll, uh, me and Dice will keep smoking. We'll get into our nice and well into our second thirds. And, uh, and then we'll come back with our leadership segment of how to motivate, motivate your team and yourself. I think that's a, that's something that's hard to do. Yeah, I agree. So after the break. Don't forget, we need to follow the podcast so we know when new episodes drop. And welcome back into Leadership of the Leaf. Before we took the break, we were talking about uh, pairings. You know, we're going to pair with whiskey, uh, rum, cognac, coffee, wine, as a potential one, uh, and of course, you know that lovely whiskey that we all love to drink, um, except for Dice, he he purely yeah. drinks cognac. That's what he drinks on his birthday. <laughs> Fourth of July, his birthday, <laughs> his wife's birthday, his kid's birthday. Uh, every day. Every day. Uh, but uh, are you in your second third now? I am definitely in my second third. All right, and so what are you getting in your second third? I'm still getting that, that salted like chocolate, but it's definitely mellowing out, so I can, I can get hints of caramel. It is just working just fine, sir. Mm. This thing has, has mellowed uh, after it's all spice at the beginning. Uh, it mellowed, and I, I, you know what? I'll say that salesman hit it on the head. I tasted chocolate-covered jalapeno. Oh, with with hints of with hints of coffee on the back end, it is okay. phenomenal. It's so good. Um, again, CAOs uh, probably one of my favorite brands, right behind uh, Undercrown. Um, th- so this is right up on par with what I expect. Well, that's right up your alley, then. That's yeah, good. I love it. I love it. So um, this. So now we're going to talk about. How to motivate your team and yourself. All right. Well, when I think of motivating, you, everyone has their own version of motivation. You, each individual is different. So you have to find not necessarily the thumbscrew, but the opposite of a thumbscrew. You have to find what really gets you off the couch. Right. That could be awards. Some people like the pat on the back. Some people like to be recognized in front of their peers as, hey, you, you kicked ass this week, this month, this quarter, this year, whatever the case is. Um, some people like that. Some people want just time off. They want extra time off. Um, especially if you're a salary worker. Yes. Um, extra time off is always nice because you're going to get paid the same no matter what. Um, so time off is just a, a bonus. Um, some people, if you're not, you know, maybe not, maybe if you are a salary worker, some people just like extra pay. Hey, I've been doing good. Give me extra money. Pay of the month program that comes with a hundred dollar bonus or a twenty five dollar Starbucks gift card or something, something that, that's kind of a tangible object for them to actually see. You know, talking with my mom and my my dad, 
my mom used to always get bonuses at the end of the year if her department did well. And some some years they didn't do so good. So maybe they only got a thousand dollar end of the year bonus. Other years they did, they kicked ass and they got like a four thousand dollar end of the year bonus or something. And that is huge, especially right around Christmas time or whatever. Yeah. It's like, man, that's that makes a huge difference. Um, and, and you know, so people like I mean, I'm always a proponent of extra money if if it's within your company's reach. Yeah, I'm I would say more for me, uh, time off. It kind of takes takes me out of the game a little bit. It makes makes me appreciate that that I did a good enough job, a well enough job that I am afforded a little extra time to take for myself. And you know, the machine is still going to run properly. The cogs are still going to spin whether I'm there or not because I did such a great job of the performance to begin with. Right. Um, I, I love time off. Time off is a great thing. Um, I always, you know, I've always kind of somebody somebody put this to me that one way they said you know you're you have two balls that you're always juggling you have your family and personal life ball and then um and that one is made of glass and then you have the the work ball that you're juggling your your professional life and that one's made of rubber and so it's okay if you drop that professional ball a little bit every now and then because it's rubber it bounces back it's easier to recover that one um, versus a glass ball. If you shatter your family or your personal life, you it's very, very difficult to put those pieces back together. Very, very hard to put pick that ball back up and, and run with it. And even if you do, there's always going to be cracks in that ball. If it didn't shatter, there's going to be cracks in that ball that it takes forever to heal. Yeah, those companies are uh, displaying exactly what you said. Uh, that's part of their benefit packages, work life, uh, home life, perfect balance. balance of that. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, you know, um, I, I, I see a lot of it, you know, teachers, um, those, those sorts of teachers, educators, uh, healthcare professionals, those individuals I see, uh, you know, first responders, military, those guys, uh, it's very the the mission always kind of comes first for those individuals um and that's great you know we need those people but uh you know if you end up dropping the ball there somebody is going to pick it up and make sure the mission happens um but if you forget something and and you know your spouse leaves you or whatever it's very it's hard to recover from that yeah people tend not to pick up that that work ball after something like that happens so that, that's why it's important, that, uh, like you were saying, you have to juggle them uh, just right. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun balance to try to entertain. Um, part of that is, is you don't want to get burnout. Yes. Because burnout is actually a real thing that happens to a lot of people. And if you see that happening amongst yourself, or you see that happening amongst your team, so maybe the change that needs to happen. Something needs to something needs to change in that person's life because if not, they're going to continue to get burned out. How many widgets can you build before you need to build a double widget or some other different form of that widget before you get burned out? Right, and, and burnout, you know, it can take months to happen, um, but it can take like years to recover from burnout. It's it's very very difficult. Um, I actually saw this story on LinkedIn. Um, this individual was a was a chief in the air force and she said you know i retired early 
-er than most of her. She retired earlier than most of her her counterparts. And everyone kept saying, oh, why are you retiring early? And she posted a story about it. And basically she said, I retired six months early because that's 180 days sooner that I was there to recover. I was actually taking time for myself. I was actually able to be there with my family and not worry about getting a text message from work or an email from work or something like that. She goes, I'm, yeah, I missed out on a little bit of money, but I actually made it up in the, in the long run because I was not focused on other things. I was able to focus on the right things. And, and to me, that kind of just resonated. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, she retired a little earlier. Um, not everyone will have that privilege. So maybe you need to take a vacation, not a staycation, actually vacation. Maybe go out somewhere, like go to, uh, I don't know, Lake Tahoe or go skiing or actually take a vacation that takes you away from the atmosphere and element that you're so used to seeing all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, me and the wife are, are getting ready to take a vacation here in like a few months. And I can't wait because I have not had a, vac a straight vacation. This is not a vacation where I'm going to go see family. Um, this is a vacation that is just me and my wife and my kid. And we're going to get out of here and we're going to go do something that we enjoy as a family. And we're going to have a great time. And I can't wait because it's something that is just it's so hard to get nowadays. Uh, you know, and I'm going to unplug. I'm going to kind of unplug my phone and not really worry about anything from work uh, and turn it all over to a counterpart. Well, that, that's the important piece, because I know a lot of professionals that, that are pretty high. Then when they go on vacation, they, they have to take their phone with them. They have to constantly keep check. Like, uh, is the building on fire at work or whatever? You know, that and that's not going to vacation. And that only continues to add to your so that's why yep. it, like you you was mentioning it's important that you unplug that you completely take yourself away from anything involving work-related issue period once you take that off the plate then you can actually sit back and enjoy what actually you family life and be basically yourself without yeah. having to worry about any issues dealing with the workplace yeah, and that's something that I think people have a have a hard time doing, um, especially you know the days nowadays with uh, with modern technology. You know, it's so easy to get in contact with people left, right, and center. Uh, especially if you're like you're a shift worker and you work the night shift. Um, you know, people just text you all at all the time or call all the time during the day because that's when most people are awake. But if you're a shift worker, you know you're constantly getting interrupted and everything else, and it's just. It, it can really add to your burnout um, in, a, in a really, really exponential factor. Yeah. I received, uh, when I was on vacation, I received a text from uh, my work and I politely, as best I could, I was like, uh, you're gonna have to call someone else because I'm on vacation. This, this is it. I have a work phone and a home phone and actually text like my personal phone. And I was like, no, this, that's not how this works. Yeah. And of course, the person apologized, and I haven't heard it until I actually got back on the clock. But yeah, you have to do it. If you if not, you're just adding more to the burnout. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you got to set those boundaries. Um, but you know, you, you motivate somebody by by doing these things. But the the thing that I, I caution against everything, everybody is, be careful of over rewarding. Yeah, I, I have a struggle with that because if if Johnny or whatever is like kicking ass and taking names and he got 
employee of the month and Johnny is kicking ass the second month and the third month well I, I can't help it if, he, if he's the employee of the month is if he's the MVP and the rookie of the year I have to pick him right, right? The, I mean I would say yes but the problem is is that what to me what that leads to is that leads to um it can lead to a lack of motivation in your other team. You may be motivating the fuck out of Johnny, but now your other team is losing motivation because they're like, well, fuck, I did everything he did. And maybe they see it a little bit differently. Everyone kind of sees the, you know, their personal stuff every a little bit differently than everybody else. But, you know, if, if somebody is right there, you know, and Johnny's got it two months in a row. I'm not saying just pick a, pick another person because he's got it two months in a row. If he truly is kicking ass, then great. But the problem is, is then, you know, pe- other people are going to lose motivation and go, well, it's just a good old boy system or I'm not getting it because I'm not the boss's favorite or whatever the case happens to be. Well, that's where you have to look at your, your team and look past Johnny because Johnny's going to always do what he's supposed to do because he seems to be kicking ass all the time. So you have to find that one person that's, that did something slightly different and better and motivate that person. Maybe you throw him a bone and be like, hey, employee of the month because you did this and this and this and I noticed it. Hopefully that inspires others to be like, well, if he can get it and Johnny always gets it, but he got it this time. Hopefully that can motivate the rest of the team, but sometimes it just doesn't have a hard time of the employee of the month type reward system. Right. But the other thing I mean, I think that you don't want to do is you don't want to do the opposite. I think there, there's a spectrum, right? So you don't want to sit there and you don't want to over reward Johnny, but you don't also want to sit there and, and not reward anybody or, or, you know, uh, overwork Johnny either. So there's a, there's a balance there to be struck because you don't want to sit there and say, Hey man, you're my best person. I got and I, I really need this project done and you're the person that I go to because I know you're going to get it done. Yeah, he may know that he's going to get it done, but maybe that motherfucker hadn't taken a vacation in two years because you keep going to him. Um, and so now, you know, he now he's just getting burnt out, but he's trying not to show it because he enjoys that recognition. Yeah, well, I mean, given Johnny, Johnny will have a, a healthy dose of autonomy because you know he's always going to do what he needs to do to make the job happen so maybe it's it's time to look you go ahead and usher him to the side he's your sheep you put him in this stable or whatever the fuck you already got now it's time to look at the rest of the flock to see who you can uh pull out from that group right and that's you know and that's something to be it's something really good because the thing is, is that, you know, if you can allow your people a little bit of autonomy, a healthy level, you know, if you, if you let it allow them too much, then what are you there for? Uh, yeah. you know, but if, if you're allowing them a healthy level of autonomy, then you could sit there and go, Hey, as long as the work is getting done, I don't care how it gets done. And I've seen this on LinkedIn a lot, you know, HR professionals talking about it and everything else. And a lot of companies are kind of moving towards this. I don't, you know, people have emailed their boss, hey, I got to take off early because I have this doctor's appointment. They're like, why are you talking to me about this? Like, well, don't I need to let you know? And they're like, as long as your work is getting done, I don't care where you are, as long as your project timeline is being met. Yeah. And that I think is awesome because that allows your people to take care of themselves, go to a doctor's appointment during the middle of the day, 
not have to worry about getting yelled at because they're not in the office or they're not doing, you know, not logged on to Zoom or what or Teams or whatever it is. Um, yeah. You know, they can they can take that time for themselves and get stuff done so that way they're not having to schedule it during family time and that allows them to sit there and be able to, you know, kind of do that balance, you know, that work-life balance. I, I can definitely understand that. Uh, and I definitely agree with that because uh, I know for me, when I was given a, a little bit of autonomy, I was able to actually, it, it motivated me to be better at whatever I do. Right. And that, I mean, it would hundred percent motivate me because I'm like, oh, you trust me to get my stuff done? Badass. Let's, let's go forward with this because now I can sit there and not have to worry about somebody micromanaged me, asked me where the hell I am uh, 24 seven. I hate uh, that. I so hate that. I do too. And so that's, you know, and that's the thing. If I can get a little bit of autonomy, then great then I can go take care of what the fuck I need to take care of. We do have a lot of technology nowadays. Yes, it makes it easy to get a hold of us, but it also sits there and makes us easy to get um, get work done outside of the office nowadays. Uh, but you, you, know, you also want to sit there and you want to give your employees a voice. We've talked about this in the past, uh, how to build trust, right? And how to, how to build that team. If you can give your employees a voice, by helping, you can help do that by including them in goal setting for your team. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, always as being in a leadership position. I always wanted to pull my team together and make them feel like they're part of something. Whether uh, I come up with some silly name like Super Swing Shift to the Rescue and we fucking go out and conquer. I mean, they feel empower that they're part of the Super Swing Shift team, and then they always make things happen and. Whatever the small goals is, is they, they accomplish part of that team as a bigger picture. I show them the bigger picture, but I give almost each individual part of that team small goals to accomplish, to put the puzzle together, to make that bigger picture. And it for me, it has worked almost to the, the best. Everyone wants to be part of something. There's times where I got sent to a different shift and there's people like, man, we, we want to come to your shift because you make us feel part of the team. Right. We're not just a worker bee in some sweat factory. You actually well, make yeah, a you're not just a cog in the machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, if you're if you're part of the team that's always getting something done, then people are going to sit there and look at that team and go, "What are they doing so well?" And and if it's just you sitting there going, "Hey guys, here's my line in the sand. Uh, after we get this accomplished, we're gonna, you know, we'll, we're gonna just take a half day, or we're gonna take a day off, or whatever the case is. Boom! Right there, your entire team gets a half day or a day off or something to go sit at the beach and sip mimosas. Who the fuck wouldn't want that? Right. And being in that leadership position, able to set those goals and that reward at the end—that that's the bigger picture for yourself to see as an individual that you can see that team has accomplished something under your leadership. So without your leadership, that team wouldn't have been able to accomplish it. So being a leader, that's also a, a motivating factor for yourself because you want your team to succeed for something that you want your team to succeed for. Right. So, and it, it's very easy. I would say it's very easy to sit there and come up with excuse after excuse after excuse of why your team didn't get something done. Um, and and I'll tell, I'll be honest right now. If I have three teams that work throughout the week um, and one team is always cleaning up the mess for the other team, uh, I make sure that they fucking know it. I make sure the other teams know that, that their messes are getting cleaned up. 
because I'm, uh, you know, how do you fix a problem if you don't know that there's a problem? Uh, yeah, that, that falls back into the communication line. Uh, my perfect analogy for that is you pull up through a drive-thru and then you just get to the window and you just expect food. Well, you bypass the fucking little speaker box and tell them what you want. So how the fuck do you know what food to give the person if they never told you to begin with? So closed mouth don't get fed. So if you don't let your team or the other teams know that, hey, y'all are fucking up and you know who's super swing shift is cleaning up everyone's mess. Right. Super swing shift. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Right, well, yeah. Show me. Yeah. Yeah. Proofs on the pudding, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do that all the, you know, I do that all the time. I don't want to say I throw stones. I throw stones in a healthy, respectful manner because you want to make sure you foster that respectful environment. Everyone should feel like they should, they belong on that team. You don't want to have a team where you have a team of 10 and only two or three actually feel like they belong to the team because they're your favorites and they, you know, you like talking to them and you play pinochle on the weekends or whatever the case is. You want to make sure everybody fucking belongs and everybody feels like they're a part of the super swing shift team and they're badass motherfuckers and they walk yeah. in with a little bit of swagger in their step. Yeah. Well, uh, a good example for that is I like the, uh, I'm trying, I'm, I'm not politically correct. I'm sorry, everyone. But I'm like the guy that would say, what's up to the retarded kid? Like the quiet kid that sits in the corner. I, I befriend him so he knows he's part of this team. So when it comes to super swing shift badass time, I'm like, hey, don't forget my motherfucker over here, even though he's quiet, look at the shit he's did. And maybe he didn't do much, but he brought something to the team. Everybody bring brought something to the team. So he now is encouraged to be part of the team. So instead of sitting in the corner, maybe he kind of scooped closer to the group as a whole. So yeah. now that kid that I, I just just said what's up to, he now feels like he's part of the family, part of the group, and he wants to actually help the whole group succeed instead of sitting in the corner moping. Yeah, and that's and you know, and that's the thing, you know, it's it's hard to sit there and actually produce if you feel like your boss doesn't like you. Um or or doesn't doesn't even know who the fuck you is. Um, I see that quite often where, you know, people focus on their, on their all-stars, right? Yeah. Um, got it. LeBron can't win championships without the team. He can't That's do it himself. That's obvious. I, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he, he doesn't do it without a supporting cast. You know, he doesn't, Dwayne Wade can't win his championships without a supporting cast. Uh, you know, I, I always say, look at Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, he had, they had a team of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and, and Jeremy Lamb, and Kendrick Perkins, and Steven Adams, and all, and Serge Ibaka, all these guys. I know I'm saying basketball stuff, but, you know, you look at all those guys left, and it was just Russell Westbrook by himself. He never made it out of the first round of the playoffs after that. Yeah. And so everybody has to have a team. You can't have just one all-star and pull your team along. It's going to cause people to lose motivation, burn out, and ultimately they're going to go find another job, especially in today's economy. They're going to go find another fucking job, and they're going to go find some other company that actually respects them and wants them to succeed. They're looking for that team that's going to give them room to grow. Because if there's no growing, then, then why am I still here? Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's a big thing. You know, if you're not growing, then what are you doing? Um, you know, if you don't give somebody room to grow, 
uh, and you're not training your replacement, then then you're failing as a leader because you're leaving one day, whether it's through retirement, a better job offer, sickness, whatever. You're leaving that team one day. Well, I just don't I don't respect anyone that tries to hold up instead of allowing them to grow because are are they afraid that they're going to, you know, outshine the king? Is that what they're afraid of? I I hope not because if you're the king, no one can outshine you. Right. And if and if you have to sit there and tell people that, "Hey, listen, don't forget I'm the king." Then you're already showing weakness. If I have to sit there and tell you that you need to respect me because I'm the boss, am I really the boss? Well, you just told it like all respect I ever had. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I did respect you and I wasn't trying to outshine you, but now I'm going to because I see you as scared. Yeah. And, so, and weak. So I want to move to another team that's going to allow me to grow so I can outshine you. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I have that motivation, that type of mindset. Not everybody does, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, there's there's nothing wrong with healthy competition. I strive to outshine all of my mentors, and it's not not that I don't like them, not that I don't learn anything from them in the in the slightest. There's nothing wrong with me trying to outshine the people that are teaching me, because then what that means is that I've learned so much now that I, I'm doing I'm better than they ever did. It's just like a parent; they want to you want to give the best. So you want to give your kids better than you ever had. Well, it's the same thing. Your your mentors want to give you, they should want to give you better than they ever had. And they want you to outgrow them and want the, want you, they should want you to succeed better than they did. And if not, then there's something wrong with your leadership outlook. Right. Absolutely. Might want to re might want to reassess that. I hope every single person I've ever mentored, taught trained in any way shape or form molded um i hope they beat me i hope they they show me up every way possible because that's <laughs> what i because then they don't make the same mistakes that i did and that shows that they learn from me and i'm and i'm just happy that they're doing better than what i did and i've impacted somebody's life in that manner yeah uh, show trust in your employees you gotta show trust in your your underlings, your team members, you got to show some point of trust. And by all means, for as me, whenever I had someone, I would give them all the trust in the world until they lied to me. Once, once that trust has been broken, it takes a long time to rebuild it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I try to trust people, uh, for the most part, I don't always trust them off the bat. I, t I tend to go with my gut, gut instinct. Uh, if my gut's telling me not to trust them, then I might trust them with small things at the beginning uh, and then go from there. But, uh, you know, it, I got to start showing a little bit of trust in one way, shape or form. And then if they if they prove themselves that they're good, then, OK, cool, I'm going to I'm going to trust them to do the rest of the stuff. Good. If you know, if but if I if I am trusting you to fold napkins and put the silverware out and you fail at that, then I'm not going to trust you to cook the dinner. Correct. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a habit forming of finding of who you can trust and who you can't trust. Uh, I tend to, well, you do the same. I ask certain questions and more than likely I'll answer. And that's how I know if I can go ahead and trust you or not. Because if you lie on something so simple 
or withhold the whole truth from something simple, then I already know where I stand for as a trust level for that employee. So I know how far I can let their uh, autonomy go, how far I can allow them before I have to pretty much uh, pull the choke chain and get them back in. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, you know, there's, there's something to be said about just sitting there and saying, hey, I trust you completely with this project, take it over, boom. And that's a to a brand new employee versus, hey, I trust you with this piece of a project. I'm going to let you take this over because it's, you know, it's you're new and I don't know how much you actually know. But if you kill this, then, you know, let's let's move on from there. And that's a valuable key uh, adding motivation to, I would say, most people. I'm not going to say all people because some people are shitbags, but that's a key motivating tool for most people. Like, oh, you're going to trust me with this? Sweet. Yeah. And, and and I try to tell those people, you know, I try to pull those that employee. Hey, man, I try to pull that employee aside and say, hey, I, I'm trusting you with this. Um, you know, if you do well, then let's then good. I could that shows me I could trust you with more if you do bad. Um, and I'm just upfront with them because I communicate. I like to communicate. If you're if you do bad, then I'm not going to trust you with this. I'm not gonna, you know, until you prove me to me otherwise that you want to be a part of this team. That, that's that's almost perfect. And the, and the thing is, is, is being a leader. That's all part of your own own concept of motivation because you already you see the bigger picture. So there's not really much you can link like, going to 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 motivate yourself other than seeing your team grow, other than seeing the goals succeed or surpass whatever the mark may be. Uh, that's only not only motivation you can actually see but that is a big motivation for a leader is watching his team grow watching his his underlings outperform him watch his underlings try to outshine the king or actually become kings of their own kingdom right and that's and that's the thing i mean uh you know lebron was saying that with Kyrie, like hey if he would have stayed with me a couple more years i was ready to hand him the keys to the kingdom um Kyrie ultimately didn't want to wait and so he got traded off to Boston and everything else. But, uh, you know, it, it just shows that, Hey, I can't trust you. You're, you just dipped out on me and I was ready to ready to go all, all the way with you, uh, and let you just run the whole thing. And I was just going to sit back and watch and marvel at the person that you've become and the leader that, you know, that you've become, um, you know, but not every, everybody is built that way. Not everybody sees the same things. Uh, so you, it goes back to that finding what motivates your employees, um, and I would also venture to say, don't you don't motivate a team. You can to a certain extent, but that's not going to get you the that's not going to get you the championship. You need to motivate individuals on your team, and then your whole team whole team will uh, you know will succeed because not you can't just blanket you can't always just blanket mo- try to motivate a blanket team you have to in- individualize it uh you remember you shared a story of a, a young gentleman that wouldn't look you in the eyes and he was like once i finish this dice said i can go have a smoke break yeah was like what the well that was a key moment of uh motivating that individual because much has accomplished all they can do we was kind of waiting on that one individual and he needed something to motivate him and he was a, a smoker 
So everybody was taking a smoke break and he wanted one. And I was like, well, as soon as you get this thing done, man, because I know you can do it, you can go out and have a, a smoke with everyone. And of course you came in and was like, what the fuck? But that that was the individual motivation for that young gentleman. I mean, I, I, I don't remember if he actually accomplished the task or not, but I mean, that was my way of trying to motivate him because he wanted time. He wanted time to go smoke a cigarette. It was that key moment that he was looking for. So uh, I found what he wanted, and then I used that as a motivation tool. That was essentially his carrot on a stick. Right. Well, and and I, you know, I say this in the opposite fa- the opposite way too. I despise group punishments. You know, if you're if you're gonna punish a, a if somebody messes up, let's just say somebody messes up the order and the finances, you don't punish the entire team because that one individual fucked up the finances or whatever the process is. Don't sit there and go, all right, now because this one person did this, now I got to make you all go through remedial training. That may not be the case. No, don't do that. It's the same thing. Don't sit there and say, hey, because he wants a smoke break, now everybody gets a smoke break. Um, you know, so I don't care. I, you know, I am a cigar smoker and I, there's no way for me to smoke a cigar at work. Um, I don't have enough, to, I don't have the time, but I, if you give me, hey, I'm gonna cut you out 30 minutes early, 45 minutes early, an hour early, okay, cool, that is my smoke break then, and I, then I'll go home and smoke and, and enjoy my cigar and my whiskey and everything else. Yeah, uh, I also use the analogy of shotgun and a sniper rifle. A lot yeah. of times, uh, leaders that don't quite understand everything, they wanna try to motivate the whole team, and they use the shotgun to take out the whole team actuality they just need a sniper rifle to take out the one bad apple yeah exactly um and that you know so you got to be you got to be cautious on that um and as far as like you know you know you can't motivate a team if you yourself are not motivated if you come in every day and you say fuck this sucks i hate this place and da, 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 your team is gonna feed off of that energy um so you got to find a way to motivate yourself. And that's where you got to be cautious of yourself feeling that burnout because you don't want to sit there and let yourself get burnt out and start bringing negativity into work. Well, that's when you probably should focus your efforts on something different than the same old day-to-day rhetoric. Um, even though the same old day-to-day rhetoric still needs to be accomplished, maybe your motivation for that day should be like, I'm going to write a reward package or I'm going to write a a bonus package for an individual because I think he deserves it. And then for that day is to make sure you set an example for someone else or maybe to give that person a good uh, attaboy with a pat on the back. And maybe that could be your motivation for that day. And then the next day, maybe it's the same old rhetoric to where you just got to push forward. Um, Not every day is going to be peachy keen. You, You have to and some kind of sunshine in all those clouds. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's always something I've I've always hated. I hate I say I hated. I've always disliked the people that are super bubbly and everything is wonderful and unicorns and rainbows all the fucking time. Because I'm like, it's not. It's not unicorns and rainbows. There are bad days, and those bad days are what make you stronger. And then the good days are what helps keep you going. Yeah, I know uh, for me, when I go to work, sometimes I am not motivated to do the actual tasks that I'm actually hired to do. 
But what I do is I go to a different section and I learn that section. I don't know, checks or whatever the section may be. Then I kind of ask questions to why they do this, why they do that. I'm pretty sure I'm annoying to whatever group that I'm going to, but I'm also getting that much more education for my actual job to when it's time that I have a better understanding of a, uh, the broader picture of the whole company as just my small piece of the pie. Yeah, and that's and that's important because it, you know it goes back to the whole thing and every it, you know leadership ties in. Yeah, it, it goes back to you know leadership is not just a let's focus on production and producing whatever our process is or whatever the case is that we're we're producing. Whether it's you know I, I'm I'm serving food to people as a waiter or I'm I'm you know producing uh, I'm healing patients in healthcare or getting tickets as a traffic cop or what you know whatever the case happens to be it's not just that thing you got to tie in the whole picture you need to look at the the big picture and if you're so in the weeds that you can't see the bigger picture then you need to take like five steps back and figure out what the fuck it is you're doing that's making you have to go down into the weeds is it because you don't trust your people enough is it because you don't know the processes and so you're really just trying to learn but it's coming off arrogant and micromanaging um is it what is it you know well i know some people think just because i'm at this certain level that i'm above whatever's going on just because you're at a certain level doesn't mean that that <clears throat> wisdom and that knowledge and education has just magically morphed into just because you made a certain level, maybe I just got that promotion over, over my peers because I'm a go-getter and I just haven't learned everything yet. So just because you had a certain position doesn't mean that you can just take your leadership role and, and be like, I am God. Right. And there, there's also a point of maybe you got promoted on your potential. Um, there's, there's a lot of times where I see where people get promoted on their, based on their potential for leadership um, and it's it's in the hopes that you will learn what you need to learn and do what you need to do to learn that that job that section that process that procedure policy whatever it is um, so there's also that aspect so just because you you got a promotion does not mean that you got beamed in the head with all <laughs> of the knowledge of how to lead and how to how to manage and do all of these things you still got to be humble and become you know, learn everything that you can learn and, you know, motivate, keep that motivation to, to keep getting better and keep getting uh, more knowledgeable and everything else. Looking at it, I mean, influencing yourself and influencing others, not influencing, motivating, 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 motivation. motivating yourself and others is, is all about finding what is that key element that's going to cause that motivation to happen. There's several steps, several procedures and different avenues that you can take to motivate a team, to motivate an individual, and to even motivate yourself. The key is, as a leader, you have to figure all that out. Uh, majority of the leaders will figure others, but if it takes some time, that's okay. That's that's part of the learning process. Yeah, and and just you know, sometimes it takes a hard, hard look in the mirror, as staring into your own eyes to be like, what the fuck is wrong with me today that I'm not motivated? Why am I, you know, why am I not motivated? Uh, I haven't been motivated in the past week or month. 
what what's going on it's not that you're suddenly terrible at whatever it is you do you could still be the best but it, sometimes it's taking that look and going what's really going on with me in my life that i'm not motivated and sometimes it's oh man i got money worries okay i need to budget better okay or hey it's i realize you know i have not taken time off in four years i haven't taken a real vacation in four years so then maybe it's like okay i'm gonna save up some money i'm gonna take a nice vacation with the family and spend some real quality time with the kids and the wife or the spouse or whatever and i'm actually gonna go and enjoy my time and unplug and do that sort of stuff that i need to do to recharge my batteries and that's the main key to what you just said is you have to do it if you don't do it, you're just setting yourself up for failure and you're going to end up in the same rhetoric that you are day in and day out. Dog eat world, doggy dog world. So yeah. you have to, you have to, once you figure it out, you have to execute. You can't just sit on your Right. Yeah. If you figure out, Hey, it's because I haven't taken this time off. Don't go, okay, cool. I haven't taken time off. I'm going to take a week just to sit at the house and stare at my wall and wait for my <laughs> phone to ring. No, that's not a fucking vacation assholes. Go yeah. sit there and go, hey, I'm going to go take a, I'm going to go, you know, what do you, what do you enjoy doing? Do you enjoy working on cars? Do you enjoy taking a hike and being out in nature and camping, camping out under the stars? Do you like going to a city and different city and trying the food and being, trying to be a local for a little bit? Uh, what do you, what is it that, that you enjoy doing as a person? Um, you know, I, I actually enjoy road trips. I know that's kind of weird. But to me, the journey sometimes is better than the destination. Well, I'll, I'll let you have that one, sir. I don't like the journey. Well, <laughs> it, it depends on who I'm with. You know, if I'm, if I'm taking a trip by myself, that's one thing. But if I got my, my wife with me and the kids with grandma or grandpa, great. I'm going to sit there and enjoy the t it's spending that time with the wife you know being goofballs the way we want to be whatever it is you know just find <laughs> re, kind of rediscovering ourselves and sometimes it's you know taking that road trip and and being like i don't really have a schedule but i'm gonna just take this road trip and oh hey cool that's that's something neat i haven't seen before it's the world's biggest rubber band ball all right i'm gonna go <laughs> sit there and take a stop and look at the world's biggest rubber band ball do i really care no but Maybe it's just something you haven't seen, some experience you haven't taken before. Well, with all everything that we just talked about, hopefully there's enough information in there for you, for the listeners. Can I grab some, grab at some of those straws and motivate your team, motivate others, motivate yourself? Hopefully there's enough in there that uh, there was enough information in there for you to figure out how you actually want to pair your next cigar. Maybe you'll look at it a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, pairing when I was doing the research of this, I, I realized why I like pairing with some of the things that I like pairing with. Um, and it's just because, you know, it, Hey, this brings out the different notes in this and this does this and whatever else, um, you know, and, and the motivation, everybody goes through periods of not being motivated. If it, if you're always motivated a hundred percent of the time, I'm going to call bullshit and I'm going to tell you that you're a robot. Um, <laughs> just plain and simple um there there's always something to be said of hey i'm gonna take a pause i'm gonna take a knee and i'm gonna sit there and and realize that all i need is really a break i mean fuck look at tom brady <laughs> motherfucker's been playing for fucking what 22 years now and he keeps saying oh, i'm gonna retire and then he's like no i just need a break yeah 
Well, what is your final third like? So final third, um, it's still chocolatey. Um, the spiciness is kind of mellowed out. Um, now I'm getting chocolate and coffee. Chocolate and coffee. Yeah, which is which is an interesting pairing with this whiskey because the whiskey is a little bit spi- on the spicier side. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also like a sweet spicy, which kind of helped out with this stuff. But as it's mellowed out into that cocoa and coffee kind of bitterness, it's actually really good because it's bringing out that sweet and spicy mix. My final third, uh, it went more of a, a peppery, I would say dark chocolate, which is uh, great, phenomenal with the, the Hennessy Black because the Hennessy Black brought it all to the forefront to give it more of a, I would say, a sweet undertone mm. of how it all mixed together. Very cool, very cool. Well, please uh, follow us on Instagram at Leadership of the Leaf. Drop us a comment. Let us know what some of your favorite pairings are. Uh, they will sit there and try them on the show. Um, I'm always down to try new things. Uh, I like hearing what you guys pair with everything. Uh, let us know um, on Instagram at Leadership of the Leaf or on our blog at uh, nsplume.wixsite.com forward slash L O T L. The link's in the bio of Instagram. It is. So please drop us a line. Let us know what you guys like to pair with your cigars. Uh, because, you know, there's the, maybe the, maybe you guys pair with something that we have not tried before. All right. Well, until next episode, I wish everyone well. Yes. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Until then, my name's Austin. And this is Dice. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. The comments and opinions expressed by the host and guests does not reflect the opinions of those that broadcast this show, nor does it reflect any of our affiliates.